The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Dear Media IRL is back, and we're showing up bigger, better, and louder than ever. Join us on May 4th in Austin, Texas, for the ultimate live podcasting experience. Watch and learn from your favorite Dear Media hosts as they bring their insightful discussions from your headphones to the stage. Get ready to be inspired, entertained, and watch audio get a makeover. Tickets are on sale now at dearmedia.com slash IRL. See you on May 4th in Austin, Texas. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of The Bad Broadcast. Good morning and happy Bad Monday. We are locked and loaded. The cutest girl in the world is taking her nap right now. I've got my protein coffee. I'm going on a fitness journey next week. Well, I guess by the time this episode comes out, I I will have started. I'm going on a fitness journey, okay? I'm just, I'm the softest I've ever been. I have absolutely no lean muscle mass left in my body. It's all out the window. I haven't worked out in basically a year. I mean, I did a few things while I was pregnant. Like I went on walks. I did like pelvic floor exercises. I probably got less than 10 like good workouts in during my pregnancy, which like, who cares? If you don't feel like working out during your pregnancy, don't do it. But anyway, now that I'm healed, I'm not nursing. My vagina is in the clear. Like I'm ready to start you know, feeling good. I just want to be ripped this summer. I want to be ripped. So I have a fitness coach. Shout out to Emily Rosen. She helped Lucy on her fitness journey, which if you follow Lucy, like she's hard to look at. Okay. She's always been hot. Then she went on her fitness journey and she's actually hard to be friends with. So Lucy, if you're listening, I hate you. No, I'm joking. It was like the most inspiring thing ever to the point of where I had to hijack her fitness coach. So Emily is helping me and I'm really, really excited. I feel like before I had a baby, thinking about like meal planning or meal prepping or doing things like that seemed like more of an inconvenience because my days were all over the place. Like I was like, ah, it's annoying to have to like be home and cook. But now that I have a newborn, it's like I'm on a schedule anyways and I'm home and it would actually make it a lot easier if I knew what I was going to eat and I didn't have to like scramble to figure out something healthy. So anyway, I think that it'll be really, really good. And I was thinking about this question that I got a lot on my my Q&A about, about birth and postpartum and stuff. I had a lot of people ask like, are you still yourself? Like, do you lose yourself when you have a baby? And I mean, I'm I'm not a seasoned mother, okay? I'm like nine weeks into this. And I do wish that I could sit here and say like, oh, it hasn't changed me at all. Like, but of course it's changed me. She's literally all I think about. Like I went to get Botox yesterday and I was so excited to leave the house, go on a little drive, got a little drink. I was thrilled. And then by the time I got there, I was like, I don't want to be here. All I want to do is like be staring at my baby. And so that part of me has changed. Of course, that's a huge change. But my my inner world, you know, my likes and dislikes and hobbies and habits and all of those things still very much the same. I feel very much like the same person that I was before. It's just like a new addition to my life. It's a great addition. It's the happiest thing ever. I've tried to be really intentional about leaving the house as much as possible because it makes me feel like a normal person when I leave the house. It's a little bit harder with her. I mean, if you're like me and you're at home with the baby while your partner's at work or whatever, like it's hard to to pack them up and get going. But it has really, really helped me feel normal and feel like I have the ability to do whatever I want. So yeah, it's annoying. I mean, you got to pack up her stuff. You got to pack her up in the car seat. You got to get the stroller. You can't push a cart and a stroller at the same time when you're a tar- whatever. There's those little things, but it's been great for me to make sure I'm getting out and not just staying inside for months and months on end. So I hope that helps calm the fear of, cause I, I totally get that. I totally get that fear of like, am I ever going to be able to do anything I want to do ever again? And the answer is yes. Especially if you have a, a partner or a mom or friends or a nanny or whatever it is that can help you. I mean, it does, it does take a village. I invented that saying, by the way, it takes a village to raise a kid, but the village looks different for everybody. And honestly, sometimes it's not even a physical village. Like I feel like a big part of my support system isn't even people physically being here. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't have a nanny or a regular babysitter or anybody like coming over to take her at night or anything like that. Like it's just me and 
gray here taking care of her. And I feel like my village is people that I just talk to throughout the day, my friends calling my mom, you know, things like that. And taking care of that part of it is just as important as taking care of the physical needs of the baby. Like somebody being here to nanny feels just as important as having friends that I can talk to that make me not feel like a crazy person. So there's my little, my motherhood spiel. Again, I wish I could sit here and say, yeah, the podcast is never going to change. I'm I'm never going to talk about motherhood. Yes, I am. Before I had the baby, I was like, how big of a deal could it really be? And then I had her and I was like, this is the biggest deal ever. I never want to shut up about it. Luckily, I have a job where I literally just talk into a microphone 100% of the time. Okay, so today's episode is, I don't know how we haven't made our way around to this episode yet because it's such a good one and we're going to get into it in a minute. I have a few things. I have a list. You guys know I love to keep a list in my phone of things we need to discuss. I have a few things that I hate this week and then a few things like we just haven't really talked about because I was on maternity leave. So let's get into the things that I hate. I hate tooth gems. Hate them. It's just like everybody who has a tooth gem, like they are dedicated to making sure you know that they have a tooth gem. They will reconfigure the way they say every single word just so that you see their tooth gem every chance they get. You get, wait, you see the tooth gem every chance they get. I don't know which which word is right there. I just, oh, every time I see somebody on TikTok, they got a tooth gem. I'm like, oh my gosh, like how badly do you want people to comment and be like, where'd you get your tooth gem? Oh my gosh, I love your tooth. Like they're weird. I don't know. I just, I'm over them. Um, I think that we're going to look back at those and be like, what were we thinking with that? The next thing that I hate is family feud. And this one, you know what? I used to really like family feud. I used to dream one day of going on family feud but why is every single family feud question just overtly sexual? And I'm not trying to be a prude here. I don't care if it's sexual. Don't put family in the title if every single question has to do with something sexual. And it's like every single time Steve Harvey like looks at the audience, looks at the contestants, like he can't believe it. I was watching it. One of the categories or one of the prompts, whatever, was foods that start with C that you can feed your lover with your fingers. What? Why? Why can't you just say finger foods that start with C? Like the lover has to be in there or the, you know, it's like a viral viral clip and it's like things you would like to do to Steve Harvey's mustache and the team's like, sit on it. It's like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? It's for like, it's such boomer humor like that it's just got... Oh my gosh. It just, it drives me nuts. Something I do love though, because I was watching Family Feud because it always comes on after Jeopardy. Jeopardy is, oh, it's the only brain stimulation I'm getting during the day. Jeopardy and the New York Times mini crossword puzzle, New York Times connections and Wordle. Those are the the only things I do during the day that challenge me in any way. And I don't know if everybody else has core memories tied to Ken Jennings, because as you guys know, Alex Trebek died. So Ken Jennings took over. I don't know if it's because he's Mormon or he like lived, maybe his like parents live in Utah. I don't know. So maybe it's just kids who grew up in Utah and Mormon, like really have a lot of fond memories of Ken Jennings, but there's something so comforting about it. I love Jeopardy. Jeopardy in Family Feud out. Okay. The next thing I hate, I made a TikTok about this and I just would like to discuss it a little bit, you know, in deep, more, more in detail than I could on my TikTok. Something that I'm hating and something that's out for 2024 is being weird. Being weird, we have to be done being weird. I've talked about being able to read vibes. It just, it seems like, it seems like the majority of the world hasn't caught on yet. So we're going to continue to, you know, push not being weird. And the example that I used in my TikTok, and this is true, I'm not making this up. So I've decided to keep Coco off of social media, okay? I don't post her face. I post pictures of her, but I cover her face or it's like from the side or whatever. It's just a decision that I've made, okay? It, whatever any other parent wants to do is great with me. I just, I don't want to do it with Coco. It's fine. It's just every parent can make that decision for their child. I don't even really post her name. I actually don't know if I've posted her name. I don't know. But I just, it. I've decided to do that, okay? Sue me, sue me. And I've had a couple people, two people, I shouldn't get too dramatic, but it's two separate people who've asked, 
me to send them pictures of Coco just so they could see her. Hey, I know you're not posting her, but could I just see her? Could you just send me a picture? Ma'am, you are a stranger on the internet. You are the reason I don't post her because of messages like this. People who are so desperate to see a baby that you don't know makes me feel very uncomfortable. People are very funny because it's like a big thing. You know, everybody's got commentary on influencers and whatever people sharing their kids and sharing too much. And then, and then you decide to not share them or not post their name or not post their face. And people are like, why would you not post her? Why would you not share her name? Why would you not share her social security number? Like, it's like, okay, you can't please everybody here, but it's just, it's a little ironic. I would say that people want children to be protected and anonymous and off the internet. And then when you decide to do that, people are like, okay, what the hell? But I want to know. You don't tell the internet, but I want to know. It's like, make up your mind. Okay. Being weird, stupid, hate it. It's out. Next thing that's out, the new season of True Detective sucked so bad. It was the most disheartening thing ever because as we all know, season one of True Detective is so amazing. It's one of the best series ever. Not the next seasons, just the first season of True Detective. It's so amazing. Matthew McConaughey, Woody Harrelson, so good. The new season of True Detective had several callbacks to season one. So everyone's thinking like, we're going to get something crazy. Like this is going to be such a good season. And guess what? It's not, it wasn't, it, it was terrible. Jodie Foster is the lead who I normally love. I could not stand her character. Couldn't stand her character. Couldn't stand her partner. Couldn't stand the fact that they made Jodie Foster, who was married to a woman, have like 10 sex scenes with random men. Like that was, it's so completely unnecessary. Not something I want to see by the way. So anyway, I didn't like it at all. And the next thing that is stupid that I hate or that's out, I real I wrote like an out list and then I kind of started doing a hate list. So I don't really know. But the thing that's out is going viral. Going viral, I don't think it's ever worked out well for anyone. I'm thinking about the Pookie situation right now. I mean, yeah, you get a little, you get a boost of fame. I'm sure you get some good brand deals. But going crazy viral always ends with a swift fall from grace. Like it's almost guaranteed that if you like Pookie and Jet, you know, you go crazy viral. People are like, let's look at their Twitter. 100% of the time they have sketchy tweets. I mean, I, I, I called it from the beginning. I just got to say, I texted the group. I said, something, something bad's going to come out. Something bad's going to come out from these two. I just know it. Lo and behold, they like partied at plantations and dressed up as Donald and Melania Trump. Like it's, it's bad. So anyway, I don't think that going viral should be the goal anymore. I just want, I want a niche following. I want to reach people who get me. I'm not trying to go viral literally ever again. It's too dangerous. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by Clean Simple Eats. Less than two hours ago from when I'm recording this ad, I was emailing with Clean Simple Eats, getting some new protein on the way. I love it so much. I almost went and purchased it with my own money. I forgot I even had a discount code that I could use. I love this protein. <laughs> I really can't explain it. It has the best taste. It's so creamy and smooth. There's no chalky texture. I got the strawberry cheesecake this time around. I'm so excited to make protein ice cream with it with some frozen strawberries and graham cracker crumbs on top. Are you kidding me? Clean Simple Eats is the best because they are just that clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients. It is third-party tested, non-GMO, and gluten-free. Any type of like protein journey that you're on, Clean Simple Eats has a flavor that will fit perfectly. Maybe you just like a simple protein shake in the morning. I usually do that. I do the vanilla or chocolate. But then when I get crazy with like the protein desserts, I love that they have a variation of different flavors. They have Bananas Foster, which looks amazing. Mint chocolate chip, Snickerdoodle. We all know how important protein is in our diet and it is hard to get enough. It really is. Clean Simple Eats is the most delicious and best way to do it. Each serving has 20 grams of protein, making it the perfect addition to make sure you hit your protein goals. I just began my fitness journey and with that comes a lot of protein. So I'm so happy that I have something so delicious to help get me there. Visit cleansimpleeats.com and use the code BAD10 at checkout for 10% off of your order. That's cleansimpleeats.com, code BAD10 for 10% off of your order. 
This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by Way. I have a few holy grail products that I will just never let go of. Fortunately for me, most of them are Way. The body cream, the scalp and body scrub, the body wash, the perfume, all of those are things that I've used for years. I will continue to use for years because they are just that good. I think their hair products may rank at the, uh, it's hard to say. It's hard to say what's at the top of the list when it comes to way, but hair products are definitely up there. So get on your way to good hair days in just five minutes with Way's new hair gloss. Not only does the hair gloss give you immediate shine, it also helps treat damage and enhances color vibrancy to get your hair looking and feeling healthier. I also love their detox shampoo. And when you put the hair gloss on, oh, it just feels so fresh, so healthy. It's made with hyaluronic acid and rice water, and it provides immediate shine. Also, according to a consumer perception study, over 85% of participants agreed that their hair looks shinier, healthier, and smoother. Also, top it off with their leave-in conditioner, their hair oil, spray some of their perfume on you. Their scents are inspired by the world's most fashionable cities from Sydney's iconic Bondi Beach to the vibrant streets of Paris. So give your hair a glow up with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Use the promo code BAD for 15% off of any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Promo code BAD for 15% off of any product. Next thing that I wanted to discuss. So we all saw the Super Bowl halftime show, right? And I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was wonderful. My favorite Super Bowl of all time, or Super Bowl halftime, I should say, is I think it was like 2013, 2014, maybe. It was Coldplay, Beyonce, and Bruno Mars. I still watch it sometimes. It's so good. I'm a Coldplay apologist. I don't know if anybody else is out there. I don't know if that's like super millennial of me. I love Coldplay. I mess with Coldplay heavily. I've seen them in concerts so many times. Best concert I've ever been to. And yes, that includes the two times I went to the Eras Tour. I mean, the Eras Tour was amazing, but I'm like saying that and I'm like, maybe I'm going to regret saying this, but I don't know. The Coldplay concerts are seriously so, so, so amazing. Anyway, back to the Super Bowl. So we're watching, obviously. I'm singing along to every single song because it's Usher and he's our our childhoods. But my brother raised a very good point. And I'm going to play you a part of the song. Yeah. Jackson, if this is not allowed, please let me know. We're going to hit copyright issues. Let me know. Okay. Here, here it is. Listen, listen to this part. Wait, I got to get to it. Hold on. I want you guys to think about these lyrics and tell me what you say when you sing these lyrics. Okay, I'm going to play it one more time. Because my brother pointed that out and I realized I have never in my life known what those lyrics say. (laughs) ever. And I have sung that song for nearly 20 years. And I have never once in my life thought about what those lyrics say. I have just mumbled them and maybe gotten the last word right. It was the funniest thing I've ever realized in my entire life. I had to share that with you guys. The next thing, oh, this is a this is another Super Bowl thing. So but I just wasn't able to talk about it because I wasn't recording episodes then. And then I forgot that I took this note. Anyway, the Wicked trailer. First of all, I don't like that we're doing a part one and part two. Like, I guess it makes a little bit more sense when it's something with an intermission. Like, obviously, well, not obviously, but I would predict that the first movie, the first part is going to end with Defying Gravity. And then it's going to be like an intermission. And then part two will come out. Like, I guess it makes a little more sense when the original work is split into two. I just, everything has a part two. Like, I'm trying to think of what the first... I feel like maybe Harry Potter was the first part one and part two that I had ever heard of. And then like Twilight did it, then Hunger Games did it, then everything has done it. And I just, I don't like the part one and part two. And along with that, I don't know how I feel about the Ariana Grande casting. Here's the thing. 
she has an amazing voice, so I'm sure she will be a great Glinda. But I just, I don't know. I feel very turned off from Ariana Grande lately. I think that the majority of us do, you know, in her SpongeBob era. I just, I I don't know. I, I don't know if I love her, but I think she has an amazing voice. I think that Cynthia Erivo is an amazing casting choice. I'm sure that they will both be great. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't love Ariana Grande of it all. I looked up who else auditioned for the role of Glinda. And I mean, I, I don't know. You guys have to let me know how you feel about these, these options. Dove Cameron, Dove Cameron, I feel like, I feel like has the look. I feel like she does. I don't know. I've never heard her sing. So who knows about that? Taylor Louderman, which I guess she was the original Regina George in Mean Girls on Broadway. And she had posted on her story that she tried out for the role of Glinda. And then she felt like, why did I even try out? Like they were obviously always going to go with Ariana Grande because she's a big name and it was a marketing thing. And anyway, I think she was really sad to not get the role. I'm sure she's incredible. Amanda Seyfried audition. I don't know if she fits Glinda in my mind. She seems like a little bit older than I would picture Glinda being. I don't know. But yeah, we'll see. I'm very, very excited for it. Excited to give my full rundown when I watch it. Okay, and the next note that I have in here is about Ballerina Farm. Again, I was not recording episodes when all of this stuff was going down, but I just think it it was the, such an interesting thing to watch happen. Like, I don't really have a lot of feelings about Ballerina Farms. She doesn't get me all worked up. I don't feel triggered by her. I, too, could have done a pageant seven days postpartum. I just didn't feel like it, so whatever. I just think Ballerina Farm is kind of like middle of the road for me. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about her, but I was just watching all of these conversations go on about her and people were very, you know, people had a lot of things to say. They had very big feelings. People were very triggered. Like I thought it was so weird to watch because I think it raises a question about influencers because in the OG influencer days, like 2015, when like influencers were just starting to get going and people were doing brand deals for the first time, it felt like influencers were kind of a form of entertainment. Like they were, they were very curated. They were something fun to watch. It wasn't about being relatable or attainable. And I feel like now a lot of people want influencers to be those things. They want them to be relatable. They want them to be attainable. They want them to represent what they believe, what they think, what they do. And I think it just raises the question, like, do influencers owe that to their audiences? Like, and I'm saying that seriously, I'm not saying I know the answer. I'm saying, is that what it's become? Like, is that what people want to see? Because I feel like when I, when I watch influencers, I'm like, this isn't something that relates back to me. This is just this is free entertainment that I consume on my phone is influencers doing day in the lives or get ready with me or whatever. I don't watch them in hopes that they represent what I do or what I can do or what I can buy or what I can, you know, and I just think people want that from influencers. Now they want them to represent them and they don't want any unrelatable content. Cause like Valerina farm, it's kind of like, I don't know. I just, I, I just wonder why we want that from, from our, you know, content creators, influencers, whatever you want to call it. But why do we want that from them now? Why do we, you know, I saw a TikTok of somebody saying influencers should not show off their big purchases. They should not like read the room. Like people can't afford that right now. Don't post about that. And I just think it's an interesting shift because back in the day, influencers, that's like what they were. They were rich. They were way prettier than all of us. They were like, and now we want them to be just like us. I don't know. And the other interesting coin or interesting coin, interesting side of the coin is that we made influencers rich and famous. Like they're not the product of, you know, movies or anything like that. They're a direct result of an audience. And so it's like, we, we did this to them. We made them famous. We consumed their content. We sent their content. We talked about it. We commented, we liked, we, whatever it is, we contributed to that. And then we're mad that they're successful. I don't know. It's just a very, very interesting thing. That's kind of, it kind of ties into going viral. Cause it's like, we make these people, like I think of like Alex Earl who got super famous, super fast. And you know, she was like, but we did that. We made her famous. And then all of a sudden we're like, she doesn't deserve it. She doesn't deserve to be famous. She doesn't deserve to go to the Grammys. And it's like, but everybody who's talking about her online, it's funny. Cause I think people don't realize that like hate like commenting and, you know, hate sending and hate following 
contributes to an influencer's success. So it's like you following them and you sending their content and you commenting or DMing them or whatever, all that's doing is raising the number. It's not like brands get these, these influencers demographics and think like, well, 50% of those sends were hate sends and the other 50% were people who loved them. And so we can't, we have to go off of the number of people who love you. No, they just look at, Oh, you had this much interaction on your page. Great. Let us raise your number. It's like, I don't, I don't know if that's clicked for a lot of people because people hate follow so many influencers and then they're mad they're successful. And I always want to be like, then unfollow, like then you need to unfollow them and not send traffic their way. Because if you're mad that they're successful, the only thing that you're doing is making them more successful by giving them more engagement. I, I don't know. So that's, that's a hot, hot topic right now. A lot of, a lot of feelings about that, but yeah, you'll, you guys will have to let me know. What'd you think? Okay. The last thing on my list before we get into submissions is an epiphany that I had yesterday because we went shopping yesterday and I keep telling myself like, I need to not, I need to stop buying hoodies. I need to stop buying hoodies and sweatshirts. I need to, like, I, I cannot buy one more hoodie. And then we went shopping and I found an amazing hoodie and I bought it. And then I had this epiphany, like who's making these rules of like, I can't buy another hoodie. I wear one every single day. Like it's going to be put to good use. And I typically run out of them when I do the laundry because I don't have enough and I wear them so much. And I'm like, who am I reporting to for all of these like rules? And I did the same thing like last year because I got extensions and then I wanted to take them out like three weeks later and whatever. And I kept saying like, oh, I need to stop changing my hair. I really need to stop changing my hair. And I was like, why? Why do I, I'm the one paying for it. It's my hair. Who cares if I change it a million times? So I think we put these arbitrary rules on ourselves because we see what other people are doing. We're like, well, they want to do this or I need to do this or whatever. No, I just, we're not reporting to anybody. You're not getting graded on any of this. Just do what you want to do. Like if you want to buy a million hoodies like me, just do it. Who cares? Okay. Today's topic is inspired. Well, not even inspired, suggested directly by my girl, Jensen, who I got a spray tan from this week. Shout out to Jensen. She's a listener and she gave me a great spray tan. And we were talking as she was checking me out. She was like, you need to do an episode on horror stories from the beauty industry. And I was like, yeah, I do. Because I don't know if there is an industry that fosters more horror than the beauty industry. I don't know why that is. I don't know why, but we're going to get into it. Obviously, I've said this before, but I am an esthetician. I love that industry. I always think like after the podcast or if, you know, the podcast crashes and burns, I would love to start working in aesthetics again. Like I think it's such a great, it's a great field and I love skincare, love products, love all that. So anyway, I'm a big fan and I worked in a spa at the front desk for about a year. I never worked as an esthetician <laughs> because I worked at the front desk and then I got a part-time job at a bakery and then I decided to start bad broadcast and then COVID hit. So it was like, I don't know. I didn't have a lot of time to get started on my aesthetics career, but maybe one day it's still something I would love to do. Okay. So let's visit the underbelly of the beauty industry and chat about it along the way. First submission. She says, I'm a master esthetician. I was doing laser hair removal and I knocked on the door and asked if he was ready for me to come in. And he said, one sec. And then he proceeded to fart very loud and very long and then immediately said, okay, come in. He knew I was right there, so I couldn't wait to go in. Haha. <laughs> it was 2020, so thank goodness for the mask. Okay, here's where my feminism really comes in hot. Because I don't think that we should allow men in these spaces. I think that there should be separate areas for them. Because the risk is too high. And you guys will see in a lot of these stories, the gross things that these men do to these poor young ladies who have just graduated aesthetic school. They're like 18 and 19 and they're having to laser a man's stinky asshole. And when I was working at the spa, like so many, so when you get laser hair removal, you have to shave beforehand. Like you have to, there has to be no hair on top, but there has to be a hair follicle. So the laser has something to hit. And so many men, like way, way, way more than half of the men who came in for laser hair removal weren't shaved and they would bring razors and they would say, can you shave me? It's like, sir, this woman is not getting paid enough to shave your back. 
it's not in the job description. You like, if you are a man and you're listening or you have a husband who's listening or whatever it might be, like, please be hyper aware of these things. Like be very aware of your cleanliness. Be very aware of your boners. Be very aware of the things you say to the girls who are doing these treatments on you. Because obviously we're not we're not in a point or we're not in a place where men are going to be kicked out of spas. Although I am in favor of that, just FYI. But yeah, I just you have to be way more conscious of it when you are an older man going in to get a treatment from a younger woman because everything you do, like it's already a creepy situation. You have to be you have to be overly conscious of being a creep or being gross. Like, don't do it. Okay. Next one. I was a stylist at a salon that pushed extensions hard. A fellow stylist was panicking one morning because the front desk had never ordered the extension hair for her client who was getting married the next day. Our boss immediately drove to Sally's, got shitty tape-ins, and told the stylist to install them and charge full price. First of all, who's out here getting extensions the day before their wedding? Like it could be a horrible thing. It, they could look weird. Extensions look plastic for like the first two weeks before you wash them a bunch. So what a choice to get them the day before you get married. But yeah, I uh, the price of extensions, I went in, I'm trying to think when this was, a few years ago, I wanted to get extensions. Do you guys want to know what I was, what I was um, quoted? Three grand, $3,000. And honestly, that number, not that shocking to most people. Most people are paying a few thousand dollars for extensions. That seems insane to me. Insane to me. You're telling me that I could get a car for the price of extensions. Not a nice car, but a car. There are cars out there for less than $3,000. Don't come for me. It just seems so, so unbelievable to me. And there's all of these things. Like, I know it's probably priced correctly, but let me just say, when I have gone to buy the hair that I want, like nice hair, very nice hair, it's usually between like five and $600, like the times that I've gotten extensions when I've gotten the hair myself. So what's with that $2,400 upcharge? What's going on with that? Hey, charge what you're worth, ladies. If you're out here charging that and people are paying it, please, please, please do it. I just don't know if I'm going to be participating in the $3,000 hair trend. Okay, next one. I was newly out of hair school and still in my apprenticeship. I was really only good at men's cuts. And so, all, so I would take all the walk-ins for men. One guy would walk in every three weeks and he was such a dick in general, but one day in particular, he took the cake. I started his cut with a wash as usual, and then the building started shaking. An earthquake. Where I lived at the time, earthquakes were absolutely not a common thing, so everyone was panicking and running around trying to catch things that were falling. I let go of the hose in a panic of it all, and my client got a little bit wet and stormed out of the salon. I apologized profusely while he was running out and expected him to never come back. Three weeks later, like clockwork, he came in holding a water gun, came up to me, sprayed me in the face, and asked if I enjoyed the treatment I gave him. Cops were called and he was banned from the premises. I quit on the spot and have never been behind a chair since. That was 13 years ago. Yeah, that'll make you quit real, real fast getting sprayed in the face. See, every story that I came across in this submission form strengthened my argument for men should not be allowed in these spaces. Maybe there needs to be like a quiz or like, I don't know, something that that you can do so that you are allowed into a spa. Because I get it. A lot of men are very respectful. A lot of a lot of men are just coming in for a simple haircut. You need to prove that you are you are not going to do something abusive, creepy, scary, or gross. That's just my opinion. I teach at an esthetician school and I teach waxing. I was demoing a Brazilian wax for my class and my model had canceled last minute. So someone was able to find me this random lady. When she came in, I offered her some baby wipes and I told her where the bathroom was and robe and she declined them all. I shouldn't have given her an option, but I was so new at the time. Anyway, she just strips in front of my class of 20 girls. Not the biggest deal. But then I started waxing and I realized she smells horrible. It keeps getting worse as we go on. And I start noticing students trying to secretly plug their nose. This is what most students are the most nervous about. So this made the experience horrible for them. Made a great learning experience for them, though. The whole room had an odor for like an hour after yeah, whenever I go get a Brazilian, I have a friend of mine, shout out to Austin, brow boss Aus, she does my brows and my bras. But every time I go, I'm like, how many times 
should I wash myself before it's getting a little bit alarming? Like I need to do at least three full scrub downs before I let anybody into any crevice. And even then it's a little bit like, do I stink? Is there something happening? For the most part, I think that most waxers are pretty used to most things. Like, yeah, whatever, your hair is too long or you're on your period or things like that. Like those are things that waxers probably brush off and don't care about. Please be aware of your odor. Please, let's not scar them. Let's not scar our waxers. We need them. They are quite literally doing the Lord's work. They deserve medals of freedom. Anybody who waxes labias that often deserves a medal. Okay, next one. Oh no, I feel like I almost can't tell this story because of how bad it was. The reason I quit Brazilians for life. I had a client schedule lashes and a Brazilian wax for her wedding. She had never done either, nor had I ever met this girl. By the way, I mean, if you're if you are getting waxed for your wedding, do it like a couple days in advance because you're going to be red and swollen for a few days. You don't want that on your wedding night. Okay. Well, she immediately comes in, literally jumping up and down about being engaged and was just super high energy, which made me a little bit uncomfy because I didn't know what to do with the literal jumping up and down and squealing. Well, I got her settled and did her lashes and all she could talk about was how she was stoked to have sex for the first time, which I get it. But then she started asking me things like, how do I give a blowjob? Assuming I knew I was not married at the time, which doesn't mean I had not had the experience, but I don't know, it just felt like a weird thing to ask someone you have literally never met. Uh, among so many other comments that were extremely sexual in nature and for me felt unprofessional to participate in the conversation. I did my best to be neutral. Well, by the time the Brazilian came around, I was feeling very uneasy about doing the service on this girl, but she scheduled it. So what do you do? Ooh, lost my spot. Okay. Well, she was happy to take her pants off and had no problem getting into the positions I needed her to be in for the wax. But then she proceeded to moan in a very sexual way. And of course, I'm just trying to do my job and ask her if she was okay, if she needed breaks. Well, because it was her first, et cetera, because it was her first time for this service, she proceeded to tell me that she actually really liked it in a very weird voice and continued the moaning and weirdness until it was over. The second she left, I had to shower and I made the decision right then and there that Brazilians were not for me. I felt so violated and gross and frankly kind of mad at this girl. She asked for another later on and I told her I could no longer wax from home because of the regulations or whatever. So I canceled any other Brazilian waxes I had on my schedule. Okay, so maybe being clean is not the only thing that you need to be very aware of when you go get a Brazilian. Maybe don't moan. Maybe if you are into Brazilian waxing in a sexual manner, you can learn to do them on yourself. Maybe you and your partner should learn to do them. I don't condone any of this, okay? <laughs> All right. I had a client that was 30 minutes late for her hair appointment. And at that point, too much time had passed and I could no longer fit them in. She shows up and I explained to her I can't get her in that day, but I could try for a different day. She was very angry and she asked if I could just, if she could take the color and apply it herself. And I was like, girl, no. Hair color and hair stylists don't work like that. She continues to argue with me that I should have plenty of time for the all over color if she just goes home and washes it out herself. I again say no, I don't feel comfortable with that, but we can get you in on a different day. She then tells me, well, I was dropping off my kid and you don't understand because you don't have kids. Like, I don't understand how to be on time. I won't understand how to be respectful or what. I have dozens of clients that are mothers and parents of multiple kids. They are always respectful of my time. Needless to say, I never did rebook her. Some clients just aren't your people. Yeah, I mean, I mean, not to not to step in here as the fresh mother that I am. I am late to many more things now that I have a kid. But I mean, you do have to find a way when you have an appointment, either reschedule or let them know or whatever. Like there's still an element of respect, even if you are going to be late, even if you do have kids, there's just, you know, it's common courtesy. But I think what she said at the end is important. Some clients just aren't your people. And with that, some hairstylists just aren't your people. And I believe we've talked about it on the podcast before, just how scary hair ladies are. They are terrifying canceling on them, telling them that they, they need to change something. Like, I don't know. I've had experiences. I've seen many, 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 many stylists. Okay. Many hair ladies, because like, I'm scared of them a lot of times, quite frankly, I'm scared of a lot of hair ladies canceling on them, ask, like asking them if they can change something. It hasn't really ever gone well for me. And when I find somebody who I do click with, who I can say that like, Hey, can you change this? And they're cool about it that's how I know that they're my people. 
But I feel like a lot of hairstylists are like, yeah, just tell me that I did something wrong. But then you tell them and they're like, no, I can't change that. And you're like, okay, never mind. I don't want to. I'm sorry I said anything. I'm so scared of you right now. (laughs) They're for sure the most intimidating of the beauty industry employees, our stylists and hair people. But even even with that said, I would never disrespect somebody's time. I am a very I'm a very on time person. That's why I try really hard, even with a baby, even if like we have a blowout or a throw up situation, I try to give myself plenty of time for error. Before I had a baby, I was so early to things. I would have to pull over on the side of the road and wait so that I could show up at a normal time. I'm so, so, so very early. It's how I knew that I was in love with my boyfriend because he's also very early to things, hates being late, hates when people don't plan things. I'm like, this is my guy. However, ever like we went to a birthday party for my niece the other night and like we were 30 minutes early. We like showed up and dinner was not ready. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I am the way I am. Next one. Another Brazilian one. Oh, this one's rough. One time I was getting a Brazilian wax and I accidentally let a fart out. Little did I know it wasn't just a fart. So the waxer kicked me out after only waxing half of me down there. Yeah. If you're going to shart on the waxer and she continues the service, she's something else is going on. Something weird is happening because if you shart on me, I would kick you out. Not only would I kick you out, I'd block your number and make sure you could never come back. (laughs) Okay, next one. When I was a newer lash artist, I had a lot of openings in my day and this girl booked same day, same hour. And the note said emergency fill. I had never met her before, but when she came in, all of the lashes from the middle section on her right eye were completely gone. I was super confused, but didn't question it. As I'm working, she goes, you're probably wondering what happened to my lashes. Fine. I'll tell you. I was having sex with my boyfriend and he pulled a little too hard. (laughs) I'm so sorry. What? Like, is that like you like having your hair pulled, but instead it's your lash extensions? I don't want to say picture that, but just picture that for a minute. Picture that being what somebody's into, having their eyelashes pulled during sex. I mean, I'm not here to yuck your yum. Okay. Next, I once had a hair client come in and she, I guess, was a little crunchy, you might say. She asked for me to use her own shampoo she brought. I should have said no, thinking it's just a brand she liked. Nope, she pulls out Tupperware of her own homemade shampoo and conditioner. When I tell you it smelled rotten and was chunky, I was holding back my dry heaves and my hands smelled like it for the rest of the day. I cried in the break room because it was the most disgusting thing I have ever had to do. I wish so badly I would have said no, but I was 18 and I didn't know how to confront anything. Yeah, I probably would have done the same thing at 18. When I was in aesthetic school, I was a little bit older. I was like 24. Well, let's see. How old was I? 25 and 26? Yeah. And I was a little bit older than the rest of the girls there. And I loved aesthetic school. I had so much fun. There was a lot of things I didn't like about it. There was a lot of like weirdness with instructors and stuff like that, drama. What at the end of the day, I loved going to a, I, like an all-girls school. Are you kidding? We had our little uniforms on. I felt like Madeline going to school, like a house covered in vines, 12 little girls and two straight lines. Like that's how it felt. It felt like I got to just like bond with these girls all the time. And it was very fun. It was very fun. I got to say. All right. Next one. I hope this counts because it's about a crazy coworker at my salon. She eats her lunch out of the plastic hair color bowls, like high chemicals. Yeah, (laughs) that's disgusting. That is disgusting to think about eating like a salad out of a bowl where not two hours earlier it was full of bleach. That's disgusting. Okay, this is more closely related to plastic surgery, but I work in a wound clinic and we had a patient come in who had breast implants done in another country. Well, they totally botched it and she had to get them removed, but they left her with a huge infection that resulted in a chronic wound so big and so deep they could stick a 10 centimeter Q-tip in. Also, the second she healed, she went right back to the country to get it done again. Yeah, is this um like tourism? Tour, what do they call it? Tourism surgery? Tourism plastic surgery? I don't know, going to a different country because it's cheaper to get plastic surgery there. How about no? How about we don't do that? Also, plastic surgery, I mean, I'm for sure not anti-plastic surgery in any way. I anticipate after I'm done having kids that I get my tits done. Like, I just, I feel like I will probably do that. A lot of people get it done. Like, I always say, if you were on a deserted island 
and you still wanted to get the surgery done, that's how you know that you should get it done. Like if it's for nobody else but you, if you're doing it because somebody wants you to or because your husband thinks you're ugly or fat or whatever, then you should, you know, not have that husband. Not because you should divorce him, but because you should kill him. The only time I say don't get plastic surgery if it's for somebody else. But yeah, if you're into it and it's going to make you feel good and you want to do it, the only thing that I'm I'm really hesitant on is filler. I just, I mean, I've seen good filler before. Don't get me wrong. I really, really have. There are people who like I've known them for months and then I'm like, wait, do you have filler? I never even knew. That has happened before for sure. I would say nine times out of 10 though, filler does not look good and it ages people very badly. And it's just, it's not a good look. Like I was thinking about this yesterday because I went and got Botox and I was like explaining to my boyfriend what Botox is because he was like kind of freaked out. Like, are you going to look totally different? I think sometimes people like associate the two, Botox and fillers, not the same thing at all. I mean, Botox is just going to, it's going to hold your face still. So where you wrinkle, like when you smile, I get it by my eyes and like at the top of my nose, because that's where I like wrinkle when I smile. And then it, it freezes that so that when you smile or laugh or whatever, that doesn't wrinkle. So then you don't develop fine lines and deep wrinkles. Filler is for wrinkles that already exist and it gives them volume or it's obviously people do it in their lips. Like that's the main place, but I just don't feel like I really ever see filler look that good. I I don't know. So I, I definitely plastic surgery have at it filler. Please be careful where you get it done. Please make sure you go somewhere very reputable and less is more. Less is more. Okay. Next one. Sorry. A lot of these are Brazilian waxes, but like what is more horrifying than a Brazilian wax gone wrong? My coworker did a Brazilian wax the other day and her client usually comes in to us for Brazilians, but she decided to go to this random waxing place in town. The wax was so hot that she blistered on her vagina, her vaginal lips. It was three weeks and she still had blisters. That's all. It sounded terrible. My worst Brazilian experience was I had the worst waxer of all time. She was so stupid and it was myself. I sat on my bathroom floor and I tried to give myself a Brazilian wax when I had been in school for like, I don't know, less than less than three weeks. I'd like just gotten my waxing kit and I was like, yeah, I can do this. It was the worst experience I'd ever had in my entire life. Okay, next one. I'm a cosmetologist and years ago I was working when a walk-in client came in wanting a perm. I was standing at the reception desk, so I put all her information into the computer. I took her back to my chair and asked what she was wanting. After she told me what she wanted, I got all the supplies and I was about to start. And she said, wait, you are doing my perm? A little bit confused, I said that I was a stylist and I would be doing her hair. She said, oh, I thought you were the receptionist. During the whole time wrapping her hair, she would make these comments either out loud or under her breath. I heard her say, I could have done a better job myself or hopefully my hair doesn't fall out. I can't believe they have the receptionist doing hair at the salon. You are hurting me. It was horrible. I don't know what she had against me. It was so strange. I just wanted to finish with her perm and get her out of the salon and move on with my day. After I was done with her perm, which turned out great, by the way, she looked in the mirror and shrugged and said, oh, well, I walked her to the front and she paid for the service. She then tipped me a nickel, a nickel. It would have been less insulting if she didn't give me a tip. After paying, she took a hat out of her purse and put it on her head and asked the whole salon, well, I guess I'll have to wear this hat for the next six months until my bad perm, <laughs> until my bad perm grows out. How come there's nobody more mad in the universe than an old lady at a hair salon? Okay, <laughs> I was getting my hair done this last time. It was right before I delivered. I was sitting next to this old woman and I was like 36 weeks. I mean, I was about to give, I mean, I didn't know I was about to give birth, but I was, I was very far along and I was sitting there and I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I loved the way I looked pregnant. Like I really did. I loved it. I loved the way I carried. I was slaying <laughs> and this old woman looks at me. It was so funny because the day before I had literally told my boyfriend, I was like, nobody said anything weird to me, this pregnancy. Like nobody has like made any comments on my body or said anything weird. And this lady looks at me. She goes, whoa, do you have triplets in there? You are huge. I was like, that's, I said this out loud. I said, that's very rude. She goes, is it? I was like, yeah, that's very rude. I was like, I'm actually measuring right on schedule. I'm about to give birth and I think I look great. And she goes, hmm, all right. 
I was like, what? Who said? Why are old women? Why do they feel like she was old? I mean, she was in her 80s for sure. She wasn't like a boomer. She was a very old woman. And I couldn't believe it. Anyway, she went back to get washed. And my hair lady looks at me. She was like, I want to fire this client so bad. She's the meanest lady I've ever met in my life. I'm like, yeah, obviously she's the meanest lady ever. Like, I couldn't believe it. Nobody had said anything even close to that. All right, next one. I'm an esthetician. Again, sorry. I should have just named this like, can you give me anything that has to do with a Brazilian wax? Because that's basically all we talk about here. But this is our last one. She says, I'm an esthetician and I did Brazilian waxes for years and I've experienced it all. Smells, farts, poop, and unknown bodily fluids. The worst experience I ever had was the time a woman came in for a first time Brazilian wax. She called a few days ahead of time and let us know she'd be on her period at the time of her appointment and wanted to know if she could still get it done. We told her she could as long as she had a tampon or cup in so everything stayed sanitary. Well, she shows up for appointment and I ask her if she has a tampon in and she acts extremely confused. So I offer her one and she says and says she needs and I tell her she needs to put it in before I can do the service. As I hand it to her, this woman who's fully grown, at least 30, asks me if I can just put the tampon in for her. I kindly tell her I absolutely will not do that. I explain how to insert it if she's never used one before and I leave the room to let her change. When I head back into the room, this woman is laying legs open on the table with a tampon in between her labia like a hot dog. <laughs> I genuinely couldn't believe it. I tried my best to explain that no, this is not the correct way to use one and this woman just does not seem to understand what's wrong. Unfortunately, we often dealt with a lot of difficult customers. So at this point, I just give up and do my best to work around this hot dog situation as and just do her wax as fast as I can. All while she's basically bleeding out on my table. Probably the worst wax I ever did. I bleached the hell out of everything in that room. And I think I quit shortly after. I still think about it to this day. Man, I should have known when I asked when I asked this question that we were going to get a lot of Brazilian content. I feel like we should rename the wax because Brazilian people are amazing and Brazilian waxes are terrible. I actually don't really mind getting one. When you find a good waxer and they can get you in and out in like 15 minutes, it's really not bad. And the more waxes you do, the easier it gets. So, I mean, just putting my little plug out there for Brazilian waxes. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I like to be clean and slick and smooth like a baby seal down there. All right. That's what we have time for today. Please be kind to the beauty industry. They're dealing with a lot. Tip really well. Be nice. Be less creepy. Make sure you're clean. Just do what you can. Like, I don't like when people act like somebody's job entitles you to act a certain way. Like when people are really mean to servers, they're like, well, they're a server. They're supposed to get me what I need. It's like, no, just because they chose this job doesn't mean that you get to be a dick to them. Like just because somebody decided to be an esthetician or a massage therapist or whatever, it does not give you the right to be horrible. So just, you know, mind your P's and Q's when you're getting waxed and cut and trimmed and all of that. All right. That's the end. That's all I have for you today. But I will see you guys next week, bright and early, Monday morning for a new episode of The Bad Broadcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, review. If you haven't done so, that helps the podcast a lot. So if you could do that, and then while you're at it, remember to be safe and kind and hot. And remember that I love you. I'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can catch a new episode of The Bad Broadcast every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. Also, I want to hear from you, so please leave a rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast for all the behind-the-scenes action and more information. Talk to you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.